Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's going on, guys? And this evening we have our very, very special guest. Finally glad to get you on here. Uh, Extremely Mr. special. Yeah. Mr. Pierce Moore. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> so uh, a little bit about Pierce. Um, he and I uh, kind of teamed up a little bit um, a couple years ago. We brought him over to the team, and uh, he's one of those guys that just kind of has a knack for hunting and especially turkey hunting. Uh, he's one of those people, um, you know, you kind of go through life and – uh, when you're me anyways, and you just feel like kind of a weirdo because you're obsessed with these stupid birds and everybody just kind of looks at you. And then you meet another person that's just like you and you're like, all right. So it, it's kind of cool to meet other fellow turkey idiots, I guess. Um, and we've shared a couple of hunts together and uh, man, they've, they both actually, we've been on two as far as turkeys go. And they've both been pretty dang special. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Pierce for a second and just let him talk a little bit about what he's done in the turkey and deer world. And then we'll get into a few stories for you guys. Yeah. Pierce, if you could also give us a little bit about your background and your history, like with hunting and everything that you've kind of learned and done. All right. So I started at a pretty young age. My dad got me into hunting. I was fortunate enough to have a dad that was as active in to hunting as you could ever hope and ask for. But my dad actually took me turkey hunting for the first time when I was five years old. And I was able to sit in his lap and look down the gun barrel. And of course he pulled, he pulled the trigger and was aiming, but I was able to sit with my dad and he called a turkey in and I was able to be right there in that moment. And I think from then on out, I was pretty well hooked on turkey hunting and it's just, it's came a long ways from where I first started out and what I first thought was good calling. Cause it doesn't take much to call and kill a bird, but it, there's a huge difference between just being able to call and knowing exactly what you're saying to the bird. But as far as turkey hunting goes, that was my start into the turkey hunting world and uh, deer hunting. I got started around age, I want to say eight, and I shot my first buck, which was, I think he scored 135 wow. as an eight pointer. The, <laughs> it was, was a good start. Buck? 
that was my first buck it was a Good 135 God. inch point. and we had a bat we had a decent basket rack eight pointer come in that morning and my dad was like are you ready are you on him and I said I looked at him and I said I know what you have on the wall and I'm not shooting that and he knew at that point <laughs> he was like uh, I knew created a monster he said I knew I have a chance with you and then it was it was maybe an hour later we had we had my buck came running down off of this hill and he stopped at 10 yards and I shot him with a Rosie 410 <laughs> with a Sabbath with a slug in it nice. at eight years old but nice it, I started that's where I started and the next the following two bucks were actually bigger than the buck I had first killed the my second buck the following year I actually shot with my dad's buddy during youth season um my dad had a a meeting a mandatory meeting and it just so happened that it landed on youth season and my dad's buddy ended up taking me and we had it was about the same situation a small buck came in and I acted like I was going to shoot it my dad's buddy was like he's like are you on him I was like yeah I'm on him and it was a basket rat. It, I think it was a six pointer. And then I had smiled and I looked up at him. I was like, I'm not shooting that. And <laughs> I, this, that morning it was, it, it was 26 degrees. It, I mean, it wasn't, this guy's taking me out. He's going out of his way to take me out hunting and here a buck comes in. It's perfect. The deer's at 15 yards. And I look up at him and I, I said, I'm just kidding. I'm not shooting. I'm not shooting that. <laughs> but <laughs> we we waited and 930 came around and here came this stud of a buck. He he would just drop down in into a ravine when I saw him and I looked at my dad's buddy and I was like, here comes a big buck. And he thought I was joking with him because I'd already got him earlier that morning. And the next thing you know, this buck steps up out of the ravine at about 60 yards and my dad's buddy was like oh, oh my god get get on him and <laughs> it was, that buck ended up he ended up scoring 137 as a seven pointer he was 20 inches Jeez. wide it was wow it was it was an awesome it was an awesome start and it's they've progressively gotten bigger over the years and it's been it's a been a heck of a run. On the wall. There's a couple. Just a couple. What the, what we call those three year olds, Josh? Yeah, that's what that Josh guy, that <laughs> the king of three year olds. That's what, that's what. <laughs> He's the podcast champ though. Podcast guest champ. So we can't we can't contest him too much. Um how many has Josh killed though? What'd you say? How many turkeys has Josh killed? This I think year? he's killed. Oh, this, this year. year. What rhymes with zero? <laughs> Hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has not had a great season. Um, I think he was with a buddy. His and... dad, dad killed a big bird. Yeah, I, I will give Josh credit. He, Which I don't know if he can say he allowed his dad to shoot first. It's his dad's property. So I feel like I got to call shenanigans on that one, but um, 
he did film and everything and um josh has always been a good guy though he'll he'll film us and stuff Um, but he it is funny because he does like to talk smack and today he said something oh yeah he's he's like yeah we should have uh pierce moore on the podcast he doesn't spook turkeys and i thought all right sob and then (laughs) i i I heard that gobble and the first person that came into my mind i was like I'm going to kill him and rub it in on Josh. <laughs> you sandbagged. You totally yeah. sandbagged. That was the striper so, all over again. Uh, oh, I didn't do that good of a job. Um, oh, so, uh, I did uh, the same thing this morning with Luke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a class, that's classic. Dude. I don't even, when Pierce comes into the thread and talks about how something got away or he quit early, or I don't even respond anymore. <laughs> I quit that. He 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 comes in the thread on what was it? New Year's Eve. And yep. and he's like, "Man, it's cold. I'm getting down." And I thought, "You know, I don't feel so bad cuz I just got down." And then he sends <laughs> then he sends pictures of a 150 inch like 10 pointer or whatever and I'm like, "You son of a bitch. That's why so, you got I got down because Pierce said it was okay. I wouldn't get made fun of as much. No, it that was one of those things too where I had, I think I counted over 40 deer coming out of a patch of woods that night, but they were 600 yards away and they were in a little cut corn patch and there wasn't anything happening for this guy that night. They were, they were concentrated over there, but, um, so yeah, we um I guess we can kind of go in a little bit to uh before we start talking tactics and stuff, maybe tell a little bit of story. So first off, we went hunting together the other day on some very unmentionable public. Um talk about a time. Uh we went in, roosted these birds the night before. And uh, I'm actually just going to let Pierce tell this story. It'll be probably a little more interesting and less biased. So we'll, uh, we'll let him tell the story <laughs> from after we roosted the birds. All right. So we roosted these birds the night before, as Chris mentioned. And we got in a hoot owl competition with one another and a couple of hoot owls. And... <laughs> had these birds absolutely hammering and we decided it would be closer to access this from a different parking lot so coming in from that parking lot we didn't know to a t where these birds were actually roosted so we got in there that morning and the sun starts coming up and it's it's starting to get to that time where these birds are they should start gobbling and they haven't yet so i hooted and this bird gobbled and he gobbled. I want to say he was probably, what do you think, Chris? 150, maybe? Maybe. And we closed probably, I want to say, 50 yards or so. He was probably at least sub 100 off, off the limb from us. From our setup, my From where we set up. Yeah, from, from where I set, I guessed him at 70 yards because I could see him like the way I could see him pitch off the limb and everything. I actually caught a glimpse of him going back and forth on the limb 
for just a second. And then it wasn't long after that I watched him. Well, I heard him and then of course watched him pitch off the limb. I'm guessing that 70 to 80 range. And then he pitched out to, I don't know, 125 ish, something like that. Maybe. So I'll start off with our approach or well, my approach, because I, I was, I was calling for Chris. I wouldn't, Chris to get an opportunity that morning since he hadn't killed a bird yet. So I, I backed off of Chris. I went back behind Chris and back up this ravine to get close to being on the same level as the bird was, as far as altitude wise goes, because he was in a tree and I wanted to kind of interpret a hen being roosted in a tree to kind of give him, give him that kind of a visualization. And to also, and so also when the bird flew down, if I needed to, I could come back towards Chris, which would have been back up this ravine to make, make the bird seem like that hen was coming to him to entice him, to entice him a little bit more to bring him the rest of the way in. If that was to, if that's what I needed to do, that's what I was going to do. So that was the game plan starting off. And the bird pitched down, and I heard him gobble one time, and he gobbled up high. Well, a little bit later, I heard another gobble, and it was pretty far off. And I was like, crap, he that turkey, he went away. So I was like, daggone it, what, what happened? And the next thing you know, I started calling and they gobbled he gobbled again at the time I didn't know it but the other bird that we had roosted the night before that was even further than the one that was at 80 yards on the limb he had closed and I don't even have the slightest clue how far that turkey had cut the distance he had covered but he had closed in that far so I could tell these birds were a, a good distance away from Chris. They were a little bit further than what the turkey was when he was on the roost. So I started going towards Chris and I, I got pretty aggressive with the turkeys and they, they responded fairly well to it. And <laughs> they were, they were just nonstop. And so I, I slid up and I was actually, I was probably, I want to say probably 20 to 30 yards to the right side of Chris, these birds were over this hill and to the left side. So I was trying to bring them in front, in front of Chris by positioning myself around on the backside of him to entice those birds to closing, closing the gap and coming in. So things got quiet for a while and I was like, on it. What happened? Like what happened? They got to, they surely they're coming or, or they just, they lost interest. I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden I, I heard like an, an alarm putt and I thought, Oh crap. But I, I thought that maybe a hen had slipped in silent or something and maybe busted, busted us, saw something that she didn't like. I wasn't a hundred percent what had happened. So I got aggressive to see and those those turkeys they gobbled again but they were they were up high 
and they were probably I want to say they were probably 70 80 yards away they were mm-hmm. a fairly good distance play I gave it a minute and I slid up next to Chris and Chris told me that where they had last gobbled he had his gun barrel pointed at I want to say nine o'clock well these turkeys had come around the backside of the knoll and popped up over top of the knoll they popped up over the top of the knoll at two o'clock and swinging to the right on birds that are at 20 yards is not the most easy thing in the world to do especially when there's two of them if there was one of them you could wait until they're behind a tree to try Mm -hmm. to make your move but yeah two of them come in and had i known that both of them were going to come in i would have i would have slipped up beside chris and we we could have both been one of us been aiming at two o'clock and one of us had a gun pointed at nine o'clock like chris was set up and we probably would have we would have at least got one bird yeah if that were the case but we also we couldn't get any closer that morning because of where where that bird was roosted i knew yeah where he was gobbling i was like we got to cut it off here we're going we're going to bump him yeah after you know when you said that the aggressive person in me is like ah let's push it let's push the envelope and then when i watched him pitch off the limb he, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, maybe we don't bump that bird off the limb, but I'll bet he doesn't fly down and come in. Um, so that was, that was a really good call. I'll, I'll be honest. It's one of the better hunts I've ever been in, been on in my life. And uh, I mean, I've got some pretty cool turkey stories and all that. And I think we all do, but it's just neat because we went together the night before roosted the birds pointed out on on x where those birds probably were set up you know a game plan for the morning and to a t in fact in our thread we invited our buddy aaron and pierce made the comment you'll be on your way home by 6 40 <laughs> and i'll be damned if those birds didn't come in at 6 40 a.m and i mean this is right off the limb and, you know, to kind of put things into perspective, I wouldn't doubt it at all if the bird Pierce was referring to that was way far off covered three and a half football fields. Like this bird, and this is in hill country. This is That's not, a hell of a run. This is not across a little wussy field where it takes them 30 seconds. This bird covered some freaking ground uh, quick, like in a couple of minutes, like he was way the hell off. And then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, there's two birds and they're together. And both of us are thinking, you know, probably going to join up and do what they do where they race each other in. And that's kind of what happened. I kept switching my position to point my gun at the gobble direction and they just kept going back and forth. And uh, the one bird, I caught movement and I looked over and he like raced into 20 yards maybe how far how far out like well he came up over a hill okay so so imagine if somebody just ran through your front door or something like there's no watch name come from 50 or 80 i caught movement as soon as my brain registered it was a turkey he sprinted in trying to beat his buddy to the hand okay and then he put the brakes on 
And as soon as he put his brakes on to look, his buddy sprints in and they're like 18 inches apart. Their heads are. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't, you know, and this is all, these are all super quick thoughts, mind you. This all happened in, I mean, we're talking 90 seconds. Yeah, this isn't over a span of five minutes. yeah, Yeah, this is from the time I saw those turkeys to the time they left. I don't even know if it was 90 seconds. So, you know, they're 18 inches apart and I'm like, well, I can't just swing on them right now because I'll probably shoot both birds and cause you can catch all kinds of flyers. So I thought, well, I'll wait till the one gets behind the tree mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I'll make a move on the other one. And if it spooks, the other one will probably give me a little time cause he won't see me. And then he'll pop out from behind the tree and I can shoot him again. Super quick thoughts in my head. Well, as soon as that bird got behind the tree, I tried to make my move and you might as well have thrown a cinder block at them because they took off like a bat out of hell. And it, I mean, they probably had five to eight steps before they were over the hill. Like we were, we were honestly set up at a very advantageous spot to call in my Uh opinion, Yeah, but not an advantageous spot for them to come in me um, because you always want the high ground. Um, so that's where kind of was a little rough, but it's in, and I'm still hearing Pierce talk about it still kind of makes me sick, but I also smile uncontrollably because there's literally nothing that compares to going out with your buddy and not only setting a game plan, but executing it almost Mm -hmm. to perfection Mm -hmm. and them playing your game. Turkeys rarely play your game. So it was really cool. Um, and then, so today, you know, big, big birthday boy, I wake up and get the happy birthdays from the, the little ones and the wife and everything. And um, I, I decided that uh, I wasn't going to go out um, early this morning because little man, you know, he's two weeks old and he's having breathing issues and stuff, coughing a little bit because of the, I'm assuming he's got some allergy stuff going on. And uh, so he was a little fussy last night. Colleen's been waking up at like 6 a.m. lately. So I thought, you know what? You should probably sleep in and get your rest if you can and help your wife. And then once you get Cora to school, go turkey hunting then. So that's what I did. Good call. And Brownie points with the wife, too. Dude, like <laughs> literally perfectly executed <laughs> game plan. Got the brownie points. Got the rest. Wasn't walking around like a zombie today. Uh, I leave at around nine o'clock, get out there around nine 30 and go off down into this ravine and try to hit some field edges and I'm crow calling. And then I transition into some, some yelps and, and clucks and stuff and uh, do a few cuts and stuff. And I'm just getting nothing. So I go up over the hill and head towards the front of the property. And I stopped and did some pretty loud, cuts and uh i heard a faint gobble and i thought oh my god a gobble i haven't heard a gobble on private land and for freaking ever have to go to public just to hear a damn gobble (laughs) so and i got excited because farmland birds to me if you can get those things gobbling decent you got a shot to sneak up on them and not going to be a whole lot of other hunters out on a thursday mid-morning third week of the season on private that you're the only one with permission to be on to screw you up so i hit him again because i wasn't sure of the direction and 
he was out ahead of me. So I, I mean, if you could ever picture a short, stubby, fat kid taking off like a bat out of hell, <laughs> bat out of hell through the the ravine there, I just cut loose. Imagine and, Bobby uh, Hill chasing after a fruit pie. Bobby Hill, come here, you turkey. <laughs> so I'm flying through the woods, and I thought, well, you better slow down and stop breaking sticks and stuff because we don't know how far he is. It's one thing you'll find about me. I can hear a gobble for forever away. No idea how far it is. It could, you, you get in there and it's like, is he 50? Is he 300? I don't know. So um, I checked him and I figured he was still a considerable distance, a few hundred yards out. So I got to the edge of this finger and I'm like, damn, there's a road. And there's a little strip of trees on the other side of the road. So as I go to slip, out of the end of this finger to get a look there's a hen 60 70 yards in front of me coming right at me and i'm like come on man she's gonna bust me this is gonna suck because she's heard my calling and thank god i suck at calling she didn't come in um she went behind those trees so i slipped out and immediately freaked out i'm like oh my god there he is he was strutting on another tree line in the shade. So he starts coming across the field and I hit him and he turns towards me and walks a few steps. I thought, all right, well, about that time, he just goes right back to what he was doing, going across the field, left to right. So I thought, all right, we're not going to, we won't play that game. We'll, we'll make it a little easier. So I let him get behind those trees. And as soon as he did, I heard a car coming, a truck, a large vehicle coming. And I thought, all right, this will be my chance. He's behind the trees. Hopefully he can't see me. As soon as this vehicle gets about even with me, I'm going to sprint into the road. And of course, by the time they get even with me, they're 50 yards past me before I can move. But the noise from the vehicle (laughs) masked the sound, masked my sound which was the plan. So I get down in the road, get on the other side and I duck walk all the way down, get about to the end and then head up into that bunch of trees there. And I found a deer trail going right up in there. I thought, Oh my God, that's perfect. If he's still there. And I'll be honest, I heard him a couple times. I think another bird came in because it sounded like there was a bird that gobbled way off to my right. So but the jury's out on that, and I don't really care. Um, I'm slipping up through there, and I don't see any turkeys. And um, hell, I was super close to that hen and never saw her. And I set up against the tree, and I made a call, and he was still off to my right, answered me. And I made one more series, and then I just put my call down and got my gun pointed. And of course, he pops through, and he's at like that strut walk where they're kind of like fast walking and then put the brakes on. And he walked right past my gun. I'm like, God, no. And of course he stops and his head goes up. And I'm like, I swear to God, if this turkey turns back and runs or something, I'm just going to break my gun across the tree and it's over. (laughs) So he drops back down into strut. And I thought, you're dead. I got to miss you at this point because I know I'm getting my gun on you. So he goes back down into strut. I get the dot right at the base of his neck. And I let him play for a second, 
just watched him and enjoyed the moment. And then when he stuck that head up, I pulled the trigger. And I swear, I pulled that trigger and was on my knees before I saw that turkey flop. Like, I flew to my knees. And there was like this little pause or whatever. Like, it took the bullet an extra second to get there. It's really weird. So, that's the story of the birthday bird. He has... Uh, I didn't measure his spurs, but neither of them, I don't think either of them hit an inch. One of them's kind of a, it's not very sharp at all, but the other one, I'd probably call it like a, I don't know, maybe a 14, uh, 13 sixteenths or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, I don't even think it's seven eighths, but it's hooked. Um, had an 11 inch beard. I didn't weigh him and I already cleaned him, but he wasn't a big bird I'll say. Um, but really cool day. Super excited. I think that, I think I got like a 12 year streak or something like that going. So it's not super impressive, but feels good to keep the streak alive. At least it's better Uh, than one per decade. Like I was at earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, (laughs) but I've turkey hunted a couple more times than you have too. Just a a bit. Just a bit. Um, So now. Let's talk about the other turkey. Well, hold on. Died. I have a question. Oh, I, okay. I, question. I have a question. Did you use a Sadie's facial special or did you use a Foxtrot? So I was not fortunate enough to use the Sadie's custom fatties. Um, I was rocking the 410 and I had some of Bryce Hensley's Foxtrot ammo. They're the 383 strokers. Yeah. yeah. And it was a nine and a half shot. Um, and it, I figured the bird for right around that 40 yard mark. And he, I mean, he folded like his wings folded up. Now I will say the bird flopped a little more mm-hmm. than, than normal. And There's I also think 410. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 410. Um, but it's amazing because I think what happened because it was further out mm-hmm. that TSS doesn't deliver the energy that lead does. So while it's heavier, it doesn't uh, like deform and Mm -hmm. mushroom up. So you don't get that energy transfer and the knockdown power, but it breaks bone, it hemorrhages. And so I think that's why the turkey took a second before it really folded up. Um, You know, I think it hit in that nervous system and just took it a second more or something. Yeah, uh, dude freaking laid his butt on his back and uh it was really cool and i was afraid because cora shot one at like 42 steps with factory six shot mm-hmm. and a regular 410 um, didn't have like an indian creek choke or anything and i'll bet like three pellets or something if that hit the bird and we were walking out and we went live on facebook and then i see the bird lift his head up and look around i'm like oh <laughs> I took off running at the bird. Um, so I was kind of afraid of that. So, you know, I'm like, thanking God, trying to start my phone to film and reload my gun all at the same time. And it was kind of a cluster, but really, really cool, cool day. Good deal. And then Pierce, you ended up with one today too, correct? I want to say it was last Thursday. I was leaving the house and we just moved, which has been a fiasco in itself, but and is one of my turkey time this year. But I was for 
I heard Bert got, and I, I want to say it's probably three. It's at least a half mile, maybe three quarters of a mile away. You could just faintly hear the scobble from my front porch. And I was like, well, I, if I catch that guy outside, I'm going to ask him for permission to go. So I was coming home from work yesterday and it just so happened this farmer was getting ready to cross the road as I was going by his house. And I stopped, I stopped, I pulled up. I said, how you doing, sir? I just moved, we just moved in. We live about a half, we just pulled, or uh, just moved into the house off of such and such road. And we only live about a half a mile away from you. Uh, my name's Chris Moore. Nice to meet you. Uh, just, I gave him a show and I said, I actually heard some turkeys got one back here the other day. And I was wondering if I could possibly get some permission to maybe go turkey hunting. And he told me, he said, I don't see any problem with you going a time or two back there. So I was like, awesome i was like i really appreciate it thank you so much i was like what where would you prefer i park and he told me where to park i we got everything squared away so i woke up this morning and i was like i think i can i think i can maybe go just for an hour or so before work just to make the wife happy i'll be home from work early and still get to go turkey hunting i didn't tell her so i was in here and it's only a two-minute drive from the house which is amazing so i pulled up at 5 30 i started walking in and it gets to be about 5 45 5 50 and i haven't heard a gobble yet i'm starting those birds moved on or someone killed them so i'm just taking my time moving out this ridge and hooting every i want to say in between 40 and 50 yards every 40 or 40 and 50 yards i'm letting out a hoot to try to get one to shot gobble and i hooted and this bird cut out at about 100 probably i want to say it was probably 150 to 200 yards away and i closed the gap to that i want to i i like it I like that perfect distance to be somewhere around that hundred yard mark. It's not too close to where he just flies down and stands there at uh, 70, 80 yards and waits on the hen to come to him. But it's just far enough to where if you're set up just right, you can pitch the call behind you and make it seem like that hen's actually further than what you actually are oh wow and i actually i had chris and i's hunt from tuesday on my mind too as i was walking through the woods because there was one little knoll in front of me that i i was like i think i can make it to the top of that knoll i don't i don't want to be on the other side of this knoll to where i'm not going to be able to get a get a shot or i'm going to going to have a surprise like we had on Tuesday when those birds popped up over the knoll at 20 yards and we didn't have a clue that they were actually there so I moved on up to the top of this knoll and 
at this time, I want to say it was probably close to 6.15. And I got up there, and as soon as I got up there, I got everything set up. I had a, I was running the camera, and uh, I turned the camera on, hit record, and all I did was I hit a couple light tree elps, nothing, nothing aggressive, just enough to let them know I was there. And when I let out those tree elps, I mean, you can be able to hear it in this video. He just, he hits every time. I, I only let out probably two series of tree elps. And I want to say by probably 620, this bird, he pitched out. He pitched out of the tree and landed I want to say landed anywhere between the 80 and 90 yard mark. And when he landed, he landed on the next but to where I couldn't actually see him. And when he hit the ground, he gobbled. So it was as if he was saying, where, where are you? And as aggressive as I got this morning was my fly down cackle. And, I carry a I carry a real wing with me just so I can beat it like on beat the wing to interpret a hen flying down out off the roost. So I did my fly down cackle, which is beat beating the wing on my knee, and at the same time with my mouth call, I'll do a real quick series of cuts, which is what a fly down cackle is, and when I did that, he come unglued and he, and I knew at that point it was probably, it probably, it was probably going to be what caused him to come in. So I sat there and was pretty patient after I did it. And I, I could see him strutting. He was coming and he was coming pretty hard. And I let him get up there a good ways. And I'm, I might've let out, a couple yelps because he disappeared for a second and he got, he gobbled those yelps and he was, he was pretty dang close, but I couldn't see him yet. And he finally, (laughs) and so I got my gun turned, turned down on that bench and he was, I stepped it off. He was 31 yards and he, he come up there strut. I cut out for a second. Can you guys hear me? Okay. He came up strutting down that bench and finally he got into a lane where I could shoot him. And I, I just let out a couple clucks and he popped his head up and I, I busted him and he, he rolled, he flipped and he rolled, he rolled down the hill about 10 yards and I, I ran down there to him and it was a good bird. He He's pretty. I, my cell's not working right now. I don't know what's up with it, but uh, I didn't get him weighed. It was a heavy bird. He was. Uh, I ever bit of 20, 20, we'll say twenty four plus. Just, just to be fair. Wow, that's a big bird. It's a good bird. Ten and a half inch beard. Tell us those spur measurements again. One was an inch and an eighth, and the other one was an inch and a quarter. Good spurs. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't know how to feel about how you age a turkey. Like, I really 
I think you could probably say that the ones with like with spurs that aren't pointed, hooked, whatever you want to call it, uh, right. yeah, probably uh, are younger. I, but yep. aside from that, like like my bird, one was not round, but it it looked like a what I would call a two year old spur. And the other one looked like a three-year-old spurt. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is well, that bird seven years old and he's just about to die? Or like, <laughs> does he just well, have weird genetics? Also, too, his spurs were almost as wide as they were long. Yes. They were very fat. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which is, which is also, that's also kind of strange. I mean, is that a, is that just poor? a poorly genetic spur. I mean, that's right. no different than one of us that, that being taller than the other one. I mean, it's, right. it's really different than a buck that tops out at 135 and a buck that tops out at 175. It, yep. It's, is it more of a genetic thing or is it, a, is it actually the quote unquote, how you age turkeys? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really. I don't know. I, he's, I think people can say that for sure. Yeah, he's definitely rocking the chode spurs. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare bleep that out. I won't because um, I haven't heard that word in years. <laughs> it's been forever. <laughs> 12th grade, senior year. No. Uh, um, super, super cool day. Um, man, I don't I even like to out. Yeah, well, I mean, you deserve it, <laughs> Mr. Tagged Out, seven months ago. Um, I, I will say, man, I'm still I, – I went ahead and bought a tag. I kind of feel guilty. Uh, for those of you that do or don't know, Ohio's like – going to Ohio to turkey hunt is the equivalent of going to, like, Michigan to deer hunt. Like – we just don't have a good population. So um, I told my, you know, I, I argued back and self, back and self, Jeezel, damn bourbon. <laughs> back that, and forth. That, that McKenna's getting me. I argued back and <laughs> forth with myself. Um, you know, should I buy a tag? Do I not buy a tag? We don't need to listen to the DNR. We need to listen to what we're seeing and all that. And I thought, well, I killed a bird off of one farm. So why don't, I stay away from that farm. And then, I mean, the majority of the places that I'm going to hunt are public anyway. And once or twice, it'll be three hours away from me. Um, So uh, I went ahead and bought a tag. I think I'm going to hunt some public with Luke uh, Sunday. Tomorrow I've got to deliver targets to West Virginia at the first leg. So I think I'm going to hit a place way out east, close to West Virginia. Um, and just try to get on birds might find a better population might be something where I'm like, Hey, Pierce, let's, uh, let's head out this way next year or something, you know, and see what we can get on. Cause I might find a little gym or something. You never know. I mean, the, so now that you, now this isn't like a dig, but like now that you've killed a bird and you've registered it with the state, what you should end up getting at least with Ohio is that they normally send out a Turkey survey but yeah, from my understanding, okay, so they've got a lot more in depth this year. 
to the point where they're starting to ask questions more along the lines of, did you ever get the grouse survey a few years back? Probably. So there's a belief now that they think that maybe just like a cascading uh, fact, like a number of cascading factors, like uh, obviously wet, wet weather has hurt this over hunting uh, possibility, uh, lack of uh, habitat, but also that they've now added in what they believe is probably West Nile may have affected these birds just like it did with grouse. Um, they're, wow. they're, they're of the belief, at least with grouse that, um, West Nile probably helped like in the collapse of that, you know, just ac- across the Eastern United States. But, you know, you figure it's a ground nesting bird. They're not, I mean, they're prone to, you know, they're already prone to being a fragile thing. You know, you, a third of them survive the nest, a third of them survive to the first year, and then only a third of them survived to the second year. You know, they're the most yeah. paranoid things on the face of the damn earth. Oh, not, dude. Not <laughs> For <to mention>. good <laughs> reason. Exactly. Everything's trying to kill it. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything wants turkeys to die. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, I hope, I, I hope that they use that information a little bit more in what they're doing in Ohio. I know that uh, they, they're looking at changing some regs there if they haven't already for the fall and for next spring um, with some of the stuff that's kind of been coming down the pipeline. Uh, I have a feeling uh, Kentucky actually is getting ready to change theirs. There's talk that we are spring is going to stay the same, but we're only going to go to two birds in the fall. You know, you could come down here and you kill four birds in, in the fall. Jeez. Yeah. Wait, and I mean, what? Four in the fall? Four in the fall. Oh one, my God. Yep. One's allowed to be, and here's, here's the messed up part. Only one has to have a beard. <laughs> oh, Dude, <laughs> so you guys will have a stupid population if you cut that out. Well, yeah. And when, when you look at it, Kentucky's really kind of like where Ohio was at probably a decade ago. Like when you'd walk out in a field and there'd be freaking birds everywhere. I mean, you, you drive back on a back road in Kentucky right now. There's still birds strutting all over the place. It, it, yeah, it's I, stupid. It's I just absolutely stupid. Ohio's ever been where Kentucky is, um, at least where I hunt anyway. Yeah. Maybe out east or something, and Pierce can tell me I'm crazy if he wants, but I just – when I first started scouting Kentucky public, the first thing I said when I came back to Pierce and Luke was, holy shit, why do you see all these turkeys? I go down there and there's a hen here with poults, a hen there. Like mm-hmm. I jumped turkeys all day long everywhere and I covered miles. So but for um, the longest time, like guys, uh, just people didn't hunt birds down here. I know, I know yeah. that sounds stupid to some people, but like there, there's just not the population of people down here that hunt them. And you've got 120 counties in this state and I'm not telling people to come here and kill birds or anything, but like, it's just like, there's a lot of ground to cover. And there's, I mean, those birds cover a lot of ground and there's a lot of area. You've got a national forest here. You've got some public land and that kind of stuff. And you've got large tracts of land that they reestablished for elk that was perfect Turkey habitat. And it's just kind of like this perfect amalgamation of, you know, everything coming together and these birds just really flourished in some of these areas, which, you know, they're talking about great numbers next year. 
Like they said, the Jake population oh, sure. this year was stupid high, and now it's going to be even better next year. And we actually had, <clears throat> I think this was COVID related. Uh, there, our, our count was down 2,000 birds, but it's almost <sighs> exactly the same as 2019. 2020, there was 2,000 more birds killed. There's 30,000 some odd birds. And then you go back a year before that, 2018, I think there was only 27,000 birds killed. Yeah, everybody was off for the COVID. We we saw that big time. But I will say, I think, and I want Pierce to hit on this too, um, I didn't think about this in the way that I should have. I think there's two things affecting turkeys greatly i'm not going to buy into the and i'm going to sound like the people that you love right now i'm not buying into the damn west nile pandemic crap all right Uh, i think it probably affects them i'm not saying that but when you look at a state like kansas where my uncle haunted since 97 yeah and it was teeming with pheasants. Well, in the last five, six years, the population has dropped considerably, and he sees way less birds. It's not that more are being killed or anything like that. The, the, the habitat Habitat's is, gone. is being reduced. All these farms and stuff that used to have fence rows and fields full of CRP and all this trees they're not there anymore and when you look at it here what's the first thing people do when they buy a farm they want to cut down all the fence rows the little patches of woods push those trees over and burn all that Mm. log it whatever and then burn it so they can make a few extra bucks they're losing their habitat left and right and the thing is i don't think people realize like when you walk through kentucky it's thick and those turkeys go through that stuff and you don't think of it like that but they get in all that thick stuff and they can hide from predators but more importantly those hens can get in there and nest and when you have overall more of that cover mm-hmm. well a coyote has to work to find a turkey and her nest or her you know her little brood or whatever he, he was not going to key in on one little patch of grass and be like, well, every animal in the county is right here. So right. let's just go to the downwind side and pick what we want to eat today. You know, and so, the same with we got to do better at managing our egg eaters. We do. We do. So it, it's it's funny you kind of bring that up and then I'm going to turn it over to Pierce. But like <clears throat> I've been on the farm uh, when they reintroduced turkeys in um, – the state of Kentucky, like they really made the big push for it. I, uh, I know the guy whose farm it is. I've been on it and he's, he's kept it pretty well intact. There's two big ridges with uh, big grass openings. And then it drops down into a bottom with probably a 300 yard long, just grass like field that uh, he uses for hay or whatever. But everything in between that is thick, thick. And he's done a little bit of cutting and there's grouse there. It's one of the only places in Kentucky I've ever heard grouse. I heard him drumming, but the thing that has always kind of stuck out to me when I go down there, there's birds everywhere. I mean, they just gobble their heads off. There's hens running everywhere at the same time though. 
they manage egg eaters very well there. Um, you see a coyote, it's within range, it's probably going to die. You see a raccoon, it's probably going to die. You see a possum, probably going to die. And we, we've, we've really done ourselves a disservice. And, you know, I, I had the opportunity when I was young. I had a guy who was a really good mentor to me who offered to teach me how to trap. And it's just, it's one of those things that like, I looked at it and it's like, well, why am I going to spend the time doing this, skinning this thing out and everything along those lines if I'm not going to make money for the pelt. And now I look at it, I'm like, oh, I wish I would know how to trap because, you know, as much as my wife would have, like, hate to have like 15 coon skins in our garage on a tanning deck, like, it'd be nice to be able to do that, to have, you know, populations of turkeys kind of going through the roof and that kind of stuff. And I got, I, I got some booner raccoons on the property. Oh, dude, just we like, all do. And the thing is, the size of a damn can, kitchen table, you can take those and sell them green to these guys and they'll, yeah, they'll pay you, you know, whatever for them. And, um, heck, even if you got $5 out of a coon, great. Yep. You, you made $5 and that might be, you know, couple more turkeys that makes it to the next year um and i there's a few people that feel like i do again this is a small niche uh it's like competition archery and all that other stuff where a lot of people really don't care um normally you get through that first week of the season here and down in kentucky after that you really don't see people much and uh uh, you know, they either tag out or they just kind of give up and don't care. It's not really important to them. For me and people like me, all you want to do, I mean, when did we start? I mean, December, we're turkey calling and talking about it and just ate up with turkeys. And that's when it starts to, you know, we get the sickness. We talk turkeys all year long and cannot wait for turkey season. So, that's one of those things where, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to make them come back. So we got a few tricks up our sleeve. What do you think, Pierce? I think that they should open season all year round for raccoons, possums. Yep. Agreed. And especially with why, why do we need a fur taker permit if the fur isn't worth anything? Right. If it's essentially worthless, these animals are nothing more than a pest. So why, why should we protect them to where we limit it, limit uh, shooting them only? What is what is it for three or well probably three months? Uh, is it three months out of the year? Uh, I want to say they come in in November and go out January thirty first. Okay, so. So three months, less than three months. Yeah. Two and a half, two and a half months. Yeah. Essentially. Which is, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't give you enough time to, to kill those animals. I mean, they're, (laughs) the rate that they reproduce at, they're worth nothing as far as fur goes. So no one's, they aren't being harvested at the rate that they were when, the fur prices were up so agreed and they're not good cuisine either no they need to compensate now somewhere now i have heard i have heard raccoon isn't that bad i don't want to try it though uh i kind of do 
because I have a theory. If we could make it really good, you might convince people to go pay 10 bucks for a fur taker permit and kill them because you get, when you think about it, it ain't like killing a squirrel <laughs> or even a rabbit. You're going to get a decent amount of meat off that sucker. Yeah. Especially one of them big ass little bear cubs. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be clear, all the game wardens listening, I meant a large raccoon. I'm not going to shoot. <laughs> not a black bear, bear cub. cub. <laughs> I don't know. I When I got that black bear out in Adams County, everybody. Anybody that lived in bear country told me the same thing. Shoot that son of a bitch. I thought, you're out of your mind. I see what you're saying, but that thing would probably, if I shot it, it'd have like a collar and a damn chip in it and a trail cam attached to its face. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, whole, the whole idea, well, one, you want to solve it, and this is bad to say, and I know there's farmers that listen to us on here. Um, you know, if it was an agricultural problem, it'd be taken care of. Groundhogs oh, can hunt them all year round. Coyotes hunt them all year round. Yep. No, no questions asked. And <clears throat> anything that's not an ag problem, guess what? You know, it it it, ta- it takes second place. Go um, talk to the sweet corn farmers. Well, but if you talk to most farmers, also the serious farmers, they want deer gone. They want everything that is. They want everything, everything dead. Dead. In fact. The majority of them don't want you to kill coyotes unless they're like a cattle farmer or something because they want them to kill everything else. Yep. I mean, I mean, to, to me, that that's just one of those things where it, it, it's a common sense thing. Like if you look at just data sets of like when fur prices went down and fur permits went down and when turkey numbers really kind of started to uh, start declining, there's just a number of different factors with that kind of stuff, and it's I know, I know like <clears throat> people people get in these arguments all the time. Same same with deer. It's like you know they're they're saying, well, what what what's killing deer fawns? What's what's doing this? You know, there's a number of different factors, but when you didn't have coyotes here in the mid nineties uh, to the extent that you do now. And now you're seeing them, you know, wandering around in the middle of the day, like it's the damn 1800s, you know, it, it, it's pretty evident that they're like, you're going to have a, a larger fawn loss. And also when you start reintroducing predators, you know, b- bears being one of them, bears are one of the larger um, causes of fawn loss in the Eastern United States. Um, and if you go out west, it's mountain lions. And, it, you know, you have to hunt those kinds of things or take those things out of the ecosystem if you want one to flourish. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to a balance at some point, but you don't want it to, you know, completely plummet like turkey numbers are. Turkey numbers in the south right now are freaking awful, by the way. Like, you, you look at numbers in, like, in Alabama or Arkansas or some of those areas – Turkey numbers have been declining over the past five years and they're kind of throwing their hands up saying, well, we've been telling you guys this for a while now. You've been taking out, you know, fence rows, you've been taking out this and you're not doing anything with coyotes or other predators. Like, what do you expect to happen? Yeah, they Alabama's got a five bird limit. Jesus Christ. But then but I, I say that and then I live in I live in a state where you can have 
you know, you could six have. birds over the course of the year. Yeah, I could have a five bird limit here. I, I, I honestly could. And and to be to be fair, I, and this is, you could technically have a six bird limit in the state of Kentucky, and you have to win. You have to win. Um, I don't even know if you have to win it now. It might just be a drawing that they do. Uh, they do a special draw for extra turkey tags for military bases. If I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Fort oh, Knox still okay. does that. And I know, I know for a fact they do a bonus buck tag uh, through a couple different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Through, through Knox. Through through Knox. Dude, um, we get. We all need to apply for that. Um, Why are you maybe- saying? on the podcast don't say that <laughs> all all 12 people are jacob going to emory slamming his head into a table right now why are you saying this jacob emory's too big to be listening to us <laughs> but i mean like there, there's there's just a lot of different factors and i think this kind of goes back to what we talk about on a regular basis if you're a well-rounded outdoors person you don't have the like you you see these things and like you, you, you understand, like, I need to do this and I need to do that. Like I told you, my, my buddy, Bruce contacted the Kentucky department of forestry, had them come out, survey his property and say, this is what you need for your property in order to make it a decent enough property to get the animals on here that you want. And for us to build back up populations. And then, you know, they've, you know, they, they work with you every step of the way, Kentucky and Ohio does this too. They pay you for CRP areas. Like they have yeah. to, they're, they're, I mean, they're paying some farmers up to $10,000 to fill in CRP. Like, like I, I mean, I don't know what else, what else you can do other than like smack them over the head and take their land from them. And that ain't going to work. Man, that must be the life <laughs> having land where they're like, you know what? Just grow weeds, <laughs> let the native grasses and all that grow up and we'll pay you. Well, Man. here's another thing, too, that you see in Kentucky that you'll never – you are very rarely will ever see in Ohio is the controlled burns. They'll do a yes. burn on the WMAs in Kentucky before turkey season to where it promotes that new growth and has birds actually hitting those fields, and it it's good for the wildlife. And I, I've – honestly, I've never seen it done in ohio i don't know if our uh wildlife department's lazy or if they don't have the access to the same stuff that kentucky has but as far as turkeys go i i think that plays a little bit of a role as to why kentucky kicked Mm -hmm. butt compared to ohio especially on public land yep wow controlled burns i mean i know it makes sense that you know, you do that and it promotes that good new growth and everything. But um, I guess it just blows my mind that that makes that much of a difference. But, but the- they have, the, they also have the, the other necessary uh, habitat in that area. Too. Yeah. It's not like they're burning every, they're not just burning everything, yeah. right? They're, they're <laughs> picking and choosing, picking and choosing <laughs> what, what fields to burn and what, what fields to, to leave for nesting purposes and i solved the riddle we're gonna have forest fires and we're gonna (laughs) save the turkeys you want turkeys light matches and throw them in the dry leaves 
Um, <laughs> you look like Colorado out there. Um, but th- yeah. that's, that's uh, you know, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, Pierce isn't saying anything that Kentucky doesn't put out on a regular basis. Kentucky a field shows them like once a year, like how they go through and how they do a controlled burn. They announce it on their website. Like, Hey, we're burning, we're burning Taylorsville this weekend. Don't come out on the lake or don't come out in the, into the area. If you're, if you're planning on scouting or whatever, we're doing a controlled burn from this time to this time. And especially in the Southern part of the state with a lot of that elk habitat in the, um, in those strip mining areas that they uh, reclaimed, they, they do control burns there. Or the other thing that they'll do is they'll actually take, um, they'll take two bulldozers and they'll put a shipping chain in between them and they'll just drive and they'll just rip up the ground and like reseed it all. Like just mm. rip all the stuff out in between all the autumn olive, all that stuff to give it more of a, a flat surface and to be a little bit more open for those animals to have a wow. little bit air, easier area to go through. It's nuts. Yeah. Creating edge basically. Yep. That's y- yes. Very that's much. So. Awesome. And Damn. what does Ohio do? Nothing. Oh well, yeah. And that's pays farmers to cut pays farmers to plant the all the stuff that they cut down and removed basically that's about it well it, it, and you know it, it's weird it's weird when you move over here <clears throat> so when i first uh, went and scouted a wma and i looked at it like i walked out in like in the twilight and i saw something massive move like I, I didn't know if it was a deer and I figured out it was a cow after I saw like cow patties everywhere. And it's on the middle of this WMA. And I like, I I'm walking in and I, I wrote the game warden after I got home, like, Hey, uh, just a question. I'm planning on coming out here in Turkey hunting this spring. Do you guys let farmers run cattle on your WMAs? And just in like two short sentences, we do not allow any private farmers to plant grow or run cattle on any of our properties and like that was it and then he followed up with a second email saying there's a cow loose on that property uh if you see it please let us know so i let him know but i can remember like the one near my mom and dad's house like they're regularly planting corn they're regularly planting beans like they farm like they you know, lease. I don't know if they lease it out to farmers or if they just say, "Yeah, that's an open field. If you want to go plant stuff there, you're more than welcome to." Because it sure as hell they lease it. Okay, they they bid contracts and everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they like to to me that that's one of those things where you look at it and you're just kind of like, why not use that area to promote more of a natural food source for the animals in that area? Like you could be planting persimmon in those areas versus like having row crops of corn and don't get me wrong. That's great. Like that, that's good for deer and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, is, is, is that the right way to go? Yeah. I, man, I'm cool with them planting. Not that it matters what I'm cool with, but you know, corn and beans and all that's all well and good. It's fine. But when you have a 500 acre WMA or, whatever well if you want to hold animals in there you're going to need a decent amount of cover and you need food too especially when it gets cold out and everything but um 
it just seems like Kentucky does so much better. They do the burns. They, uh, the other thing that blows my mind is that they don't allow the farmers to do it. You can tell when you go and you look at their bean fields, somebody just walked through with bean seeds and tossed them mm-hmm. with their hand or used a seed spreader or something like that. Like they're not in rows. Um, you know, the corn's not in rows. It's all out of whack and everything. So, uh, and, and I think that's more natural. Um, but Kentucky also is just thick beyond one's imagining. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to hunt, especially mm-hmm. for deer when you're talking public land anyway, because you look at any tree where we turkey hunt, Look at the base of the tree. Yeah. There's multiflora rows or an absolute buttload of honeysuckle or both like just encasing the base of the tree. How do you get up a tree? You know? And I think if I'm not mistaken, you can't just go and trim stuff out there. No. Nope. So, I mean, you're not supposed to. Yeah, well, right. Um, that's funny. I won't say any names, but the one dude we all make fun of. He's like, Ohio public land on YouTube. First thing he's doing, snip, 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 cutting all these branches out. And we're just sitting there like, somebody's going to tap your ass, man. Uh, I, I, used, I used to have a, a professor in college, and he, he was a little eccentric. I, I, love, I love the man to death, but he, he's, he's a little out there. And he, uh, he used to always tell us, he just like stop in the uh, middle of a lecture. He's like, I'm telling you, Kentucky was so thick with trees. You couldn't walk more than a mile before knocking your face into one. And like when you go into some of these areas, like you still see that, um, especially on the WMAs. If you go into Daniel Boone National Forest, I know there's areas there that uh, you make one wrong step and you're going to be lost for days. And oh, yeah. at the same time, though, there's a lot of areas there that are logged out and that are nice, big, like what you would consider, I guess, like if you went into Wisconsin, like big woods where they're just big open areas for that kind of stuff, too. So it's it's always interesting. But, you know, if they just listen to us, if they just listen to Pierce, Rick and Chris, they'd solve all the turkey problems. Right. <laughs> You're right. They mean they listen to bit more than what they do unless they just yeah. don't care I, I i hope at some point they use the data sets that they're getting from these hunters and they they really start making a change with it i think that they did with the deer on public land where they bumped it to you can only shoot a buck after that uh after that for three years and deer populations are you know from all, for all accounts, like from what they're saying, deer deer populations are up now. I think um, our deer population's doing great. Yeah. Um Pierce? I hope Yeah, Pierce, what are your thoughts? It's stable. Yeah. It's stable. I mean, it's not like it it's not like it was in two thousand four, you know. No, but at, at the same time you have to have that perfect balance to where Agreed. you aren't worried about uh, an outbreak some kind of disease outbreak and it ends up killing off 30 to 40% of the herd. And then it puts it 
below what we're at right now. So yeah, which is the fear, that, that per pound. Which is the fear down here, actually. Um, I I think I said this before. They're they're real worried. At least y'all in, got a uh, load of deer, dude. Well, but they're they're wor- they're worried about zone one, and that's they're trying. That's why it's unlimited dose. Is that they are so worried that it is going to like if an infection or if an outbreak occurs with you know something um that it's it's going to wipe out half the herd up here and so, they, they're trying to get unlimited dose to get it down to what more like zone two is i can remember it this time because i didn't have like three bourbons before i discussed this like i did mm-hmm. the last time um they're, they're, they want it to be like zone two and they would like the whole state to be that way but if you like go to zone four in the south eastern part of the state yeah like it's it's all it's buck only because there's no does like yep. I mean, there is but it's like it's so scarce but up here like where where you shot that bible that that's zone one and it's just there's deer. really yeah there's there's deer everywhere like uh, zone one runs from if you go if you go from what is the top of scott county uh which is the county right north of lexington and you take that and you just go across the strip, the state in an even line. Everything north of that, is, I believe, is zone one. Oh, okay. oh, wow. So you're telling me, so when you say unlimited does, that means when I go down there and I buy my deer tag, I can kill as many as I want or I got to keep buying tags. So every, so you buy your initial tag and that allows you four deer, one buck, three does. Every tag you buy after that, I believe, allows you eat two more deer. Okay. And and they they've they've decided on this. Like, I think the most taken by any person, and it's been the same guy like twice, has been twenty deer. I want to beat him. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Those are weak numbers when you can hunt with a seven mil. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But oh. to, be, to be to be fair about that, most WMAs in the in Zone One don't allow gun hunting. Oh wow! So that 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 is kind of the the juxtaposition is that your real far shots and your more open areas are all Zone Three, Zone Four, some Zone Two, but Zone One is your more not necessarily more populated areas but they're more i guess there's more people around so like if i'm I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know lloyd wma is right off of 75 um it gets the piss beat out of it for hunting and they do not allow rifle hunting on there except for a kid's hunt oh Um, okay uh, once a year, and they allow a uh, late muzzleloader for two days. I believe. I think. I think. I think it's only for two days. So it's like where I killed my piebald, basically. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. well, and on that one, they, they, yeah, um, all, exactly the same, exactly the yeah. same. So, um, the only ones in the there's one, two, three, maybe five in zone one that you can actually like seriously gun hunt with. Um, one is a place where you and I went and Turkey scouted. Oh, okay. All right. So well, that's very, that's crazy. But at the same rate, I mean, where you and I Turkey scouted, mm-hmm. 
there's a few places where you could set up and shoot decently far, but not a whole lot of places where you shoot 300 plus yards. So, oh hell, um, wow, yeah, that puts. You know, it's funny. I I make those assumptions. I sound like all the idiots that are like, I could kill something at 800 yards with a rifle out west, and then you go out there, and you realize that you're not on your picnic table with your cornhole bags and the wind is a constant 40 mile an hour blow and 65 mile an hour gusts to the point where it knocks you off balance and i I lost a hat out there i've never had a hat blow off my head in ohio you go out there and you got to wear your hat backwards or it's gone (laughs) so yeah well, well, gentlemen, concluders. Any concluders, which, by the way, cheers if anybody's drinking with me. Cheers. <laughs> we didn't do that at the beginning. We didn't. Uh, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll start with a concluder. Um, <clears throat> cheers to you. Happy birthday, Chris. Thank you. Glad you got a bird. Um, and I'm glad that you finally got to enjoy a good bourbon <laughs> for a turkey that you've killed. <laughs> Thank you for that bourbon. The uh, the ten year Henry McKenna. Yes, yes. For those wondering, delicious. Yeah. I did not give him a whole bottle of that for uh, Zach Kaiser. If you're listening, it's not a whole <laughs> bottle. Um, but I had some left. I figured after I did my because uh, I, I I did the Willet with one of mine. I did the Makers with the second one. And I, I thought for damn sure the last time you went out, like, I'm like, I'm going to give you this bottle. <clears throat> You're going to kill a bird the next day. But I'm glad I'm glad you finally got to got to uh, drink that and you get to cheers yourself with a good bourbon. And it's a it's a positive experience like Heck that. Yeah. Thank you. So you're welcome. So concluders, um, if you have the ability to take somebody out uh, this year, please do. It's great to mentor somebody. It's great to get somebody out in the outdoors. We are. Uh, still what this is third week of uh, Ohio Turkey. You have third week time. You have uh, crappie fishing is just really beginning to heat up in some of these areas. We're getting nice 60 degree days. So they should be biting like crazy and bullfrog season comes in Saturday in Kentucky and small game comes in on the fifth small game. Jesus Christ, Rick. Um, Squirrel comes in on the 15th of May uh, this year. See that that Bernheim just finally somebody's, <laughs> somebody's going to come on the page. Thanks to Rick's podcast. I was able to harvest these April grouse. <laughs> no, the chitlets. Um, yeah. And uh, just so I can get a plug in for this because it annoys the living hell out of me. Um, if you are a person who is filling up garbage bags with gasoline or totes with gasoline right now, stop it. (laughs) You are as bad as the people who are hoarding ammo. It will go back to being normal if you just allow it to. And by the way, you can't filter in gasoline into your car out of a garbage bag. Just so we're all clear about it. <laughs> Do you see the picture of the lady putting gas in her laundry basket? Yes. <laughs> the Dude, best. There, there's a picture of a woman. She literally has like Kroger bags 
full of gasoline in the back of her Prius. In a Prius. Like, oh, my head just hurt when I saw that. Where were these girls at the clubs 10 years ago? <laughs> Good God. Oh, man. All right, so don't no steal idea. gas. Pierce, how about you? You got any any concluders you want to uh, add? If some of you guys are still sitting on a turkey or a turkey tag, just remember, like calling, less is more, and know your vantage points and how to paint <laughs> the picture. Oh, yeah. Man, and to hit on that, I kind of want to – I think I know your thoughts, but just to kind of get you to either tell me I'm stupid or back me or a little bit of both, I almost feel like we're in that window where, kind of like you and I talked about the other day, there's less pressure, obviously, and the hands are all but on the nest right Mm -hmm. now. Those gobblers are pretty lonely, and you can tell. Yes, absolutely. That. They're, they, ha- you can tell they're, <laughs> they're still pretty horny. They haven't yeah. had a Yeah. It's like the last couple days. Yep. And, yep. and, and now you're like, damn, man, he's, it's like gobbling. I couldn't get your bitch ass to gobble at all. And now you're screaming on your own. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it makes me wonder, is my calling better or are these birds just getting dumber as the season goes on? <laughs> what what's actually going on here so and that you know that's funny it cracks me up when you hear people talking about like we need to open earlier the dnr is messing it all up we need to open it up two weeks earlier and they're like you little dumbass you're gonna have 74 hens per tom you'll never kill a turkey exactly those those are also the same guys that when they haven't killed a bird, they quit. They quit yep. after the first week or two, and then mm-hmm. that's why they – and every time they quit, they're like, season needs to come in earlier. They're done doing their thing by then. It's like, well, you don't make it to those two – those second, third week to where they actually break off from the hens because the hens are li- – going to the nest and you're just not patient you're just not being patient with them yeah i mean it's i think we can all agree that it's a little easier to call to a tom that has zero hens roosted with him versus hens roosted all around him and they're all talking to him and you can tell i mean when you turkey hunt long enough you can freaking tell where you're at in that breeding season by the excitement in those hands, the way they're talking to him on the roost and when they hit the ground. And, yep. and now, I mean, I, you, we struck up a couple hands, but we're not, you know, we're not seeing a bunch of hands. No, they're, not, I mean, they're not with the time. They're not with the time when you strike them up, they're out by themselves. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. feeding on their way to the, their nest. That's exactly right. Uh, so, so, yeah, I uh, I think we're in that window, and I think, ugh, fingers crossed, let us pray, sign of the cross, all that. <laughs> I'd be pretty pretty stoked if I could slap another bird in the face this next couple days. I've got basically, what's today? Today's Thursday, so i got three pretty good 
days of hunting ahead of me before we head into some rainier weather that I'm going to kind of take a little break, maybe kiss up to the wife a little bit, spend time with family just in time uh, for Luke to start coming down. And then um, I think hopefully we're going to be able to con your ass to come out with us once or twice. Yeah, if you can talk my wife into it. Uh, oh, I'll talk. <laughs> She's sitting right over there. You, my, I have the way to Bethany's heart. Yeah, that's food. Reese that's cups food. and barbecue. She's she's ready. What'd she say? <laughs> she's, ready, she's ready for you to uh, open up your own restaurant. <laughs> well, we'll just just tell her with each Pierce Moore hunting experience you get a free a free lunch or dinner (laughs) we'll do we'll do a big pork butt and uh we'll see how she feels about you turkey a couple more times she was happy as hell when i brought that turkey home today because she's been craving that uh grippos turkey that zach's all dude i can't wait to see that that's what we did today i killed that bird at 625 this morning and Cleaned it and had it prepped and ready to go in the crock pot by nine o'clock. Nine nice. o'clock. Hold on. I'm unaware of what this is. A Grippo's turkey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grippo's Zach season. Huffman posted it on the page. What? Yeah. It is delicious. That's probably one of the best birds. That, it's the best tasting bird I've ever had. As far as wild turkey goes? Yes. Wild turkey that goes for any Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, hands down, one of the best oh, turkey man. I've ever had. It was delicious. Okay, All just, right. just the legs. It was slow, slow cooking the oh, legs man. in the crock pot in that uh, uh, Grippo seasoning, and it was. Okay. Yeah, it's in the chip aisle at Kroger's, not in the seasoning aisle at Kroger's. Dude, Correct. So you guys we'll are try that out. You know, because it's part of the salty snacks section. It's not actually considered a seasoning. It's it's considered part of the salty snacks. It's it's weird. It's weird why I know this. Ground part. up potato chips. So if you guys get a chance and you kill a bird, we're gonna have to beg Zach to do a video on it. Yeah. And oh, I'm gonna do a recipe or something because it is delicious. I'll pester the hell out of him now. I already did a little bit. <laughs> now I'm going to be all over him like, hey, what are you doing, Zach? Um, <laughs> so I guess, uh, man, what what should I conclude with here? So uh, I'll kind of go off of what Pierce said. You know, we're, we're in this window. And uh, like he said, you know, know your, your vantage points, your terrain and light calling. Don't be crazy, even though I'm going to be completely honest. I think my version of light calling and Pierce's version of light calling are pretty different. And I'll ask you what you did when you and I hunted together. Would you consider that light calling? Absolutely not. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, holy shit. He calls a lot. That's the, that's the difference between being back and being. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And painting a picture versus you're in one stationary spot and you you can't move okay you know what i mean like this morning that that bird that i called in i let out maybe two series of tree elk 
he flew down. I did a fly down cackle and a couple yelps. And that was it. Yeah. So my call, my calling when it's just me by myself. Okay. It's entirely different than. I picture you just walking around like you did me. Like every turkey come here right now. No, I mean, it, it worked. It worked what, what I did with you, but yeah, I have more range of motion because I'm sure at that point, I'm not, I'm not worried about me calling a bird right in, in front of me. I'm off of you far enough to where they, I just want, I want to get their attention to bring them in front of you, which like, like calling would work in that scenario too. If I, but I sure make them talk. I like oh. that. that's what I like the most is the communication part of, about it. And if I can talk to them and they're talking back, then that's, that's what, that's what does it for me. If, oh if yeah. They're not talking. Then it's, it takes a little bit of, it takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. Absolutely. And, and I think that'll kind of be where I lead my concluder to, uh, Guys, get a friend like Pierce Moore. The other day we go hunting, and I I, I asked him, I'm like, so what do we want to do? You know, you want to shoot first? Or you want to flip a coin? What do you want? He's like, you haven't killed a bird yet. You're shooting first tomorrow. And I thought, damn, you know, a guy that – generally I'm taking a decent amount of people deer hunting or turkey hunting or whatever, and uh, normally it's about that other person. And it's kind of cool – when somebody makes it about you, you know, you feel good about that. And there not there's not a whole lot of people that are going to wake up at four 30 in the morning or whatever, and go out and then walk. And, um, I, I'm always interested in what other people are like. I, I don't think a lot of people walk like we do, um, for fun while they're smiling, mind you. Um, just roosting birds were, you know, we put probably two and a quarter miles just <laughs> as a stroll, um, you know. And I we're, Chris and I said, uh, how many guys do you think walk in a mile, a mile, mile and a quarter just to roost birds? Because we just kept <laughs> on because we're like, well, they haven't gobbled yet. So where are they? We know they're here. They got to be here somewhere. So we just keep on keep on walking and the next thing you know we're a mile and a quarter in and finally a bird gobbles i mean it's just it's going the extra distance to be successful Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and and you know the other part about that um you know it's one of the coolest hunts and one of the other coolest hunts was the last time we hunted together i mean yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was a good one too. When when you when you have a buddy that's good at calling and and to be clear, dude is ridiculous on a turkey call and he's not just good at turkey calling, but he's got a really really good understanding, which I think that's the reason that he's good. Uh not just like a little bit of that musical talent to be able to operate a turkey call, but knowing what to say and when and when to shut up and, and, you know, scratching in the leaves and wing beats and all this different stuff. But it is the coolest thing in the world to sit up against a tree and hear your buddy back behind you, 50, 60, 70 yards sound just like a freaking hen 
walking back there and then in front of you the gobbler like it's literally like he can't take it he's just yakking his head off left and right and then he hits the ground and you you know that bird's screwed he's gonna play and those little idiots got lucky the other day but (laughs) i swear to god (laughs) they better pray (laughs) to god that i kill a bird before i can go back over there (laughs) Um, so yeah, that'll be my concluder. Get a friend like Pierce Moore. Good deal. Good deal. That was probably gonna be the name of the podcast. So <laughs> a friend like Pierce. Get a friend like Pierce Moore. So, guys, this has been fueled by the outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. We've been joined this evening by Mr. Pierce Moore. Thanks again coming by, Pierce. And we will talk at you all later. Thanks Bye. for having me on, guys. Yep. See ya. See ya. See ya. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.